All right, welcome to the podcast, Extraordinary Stories by Ordinary Men. This is a podcast where we tell every ordinary man's extraordinary story, and we want to share it with you. And you. Uh, I'm Brandon. And I'm Chris. Enjoy. What's happening, Brandon? Not much, Chris. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. Hey, I got my friend uh, Jared here with me. Uh, I was talking to him before, and he's got this amazing story. Uh, he's a, should I say if you're a police officer? Yeah. Should, okay, all right. Well, then we can say it. Jared's uh, sheriff's office, works for a sheriff's office uh, locally. I won't say which one, you know, it keeps it kind of secret. All right, um, keep everybody guessing. Well, nice to meet you, Jared. <laughs> nice to meet you, Brent. Uh, he's got this he's amazing story. Um, it's just great. I'll let him kind of lead into it, but, you know, let's yeah, get started. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, can you tell me a little bit, a little bit about like how you became a police officer? Um, how I became, it wasn't one of those. Um, I always wanted to be a police officer as a kid type thing. I think most of it was my oldest brother was in law enforcement, still is in law enforcement. But um, kind of when I'd come home from college and I'd ride with him and do things like that, him and his friends had that kind of bond like a locker room bond kind of deal and and so like when I was done with college and playing football I was just it was a kind of a transition to over to there nice. it was just kind of how it was it was you know 99 2000 so okay. prior to 911 and things like that okay. so like that's was kind of the what you did prior to 911 you went to law enforcement yeah yeah <laughs> post 911 it's you little... went to the military yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on well uh, cool yeah, we'd love to hear your story. I mean, uh, as you know, yeah. the podcast is about seemingly ordinary people, which just like uh, everyone seems to have one incredible right. story at least. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure through the sheriff's office you have a bunch of stories that you could tell, but um, there's one in particular that I know that uh, you know you know probably lived it a bunch, and you tell a lot of times. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit? Set the set the tone for what what happened. All right, so I had about five years on, and I was working um, an off-duty assignment, which I'm still in full police uniform, still, and but the the mall pays for us to be there, but then also pays the sheriff's office for use of the cars and things like that. It's just kind of an, an extra way for, for us to do it. And while working, we were notified of some shoplifters coming out of Belks. And it was just kind of funny because I was talking to my wife on the phone, like when this this whole thing started, and we were just talking. And Belk's Loss Prevention kind of comes over the, the the security radio and says, "Hey, we're gonna be stopping some shoplifters exiting out of the south doors." And we were on like north side of the mall, so we couldn't make it there. But we're like, "All right, well, we'll, we'll have mall security bring you up on on camera. We'll watch to make sure everything's okay." So me and my partner stand there over the mall security guys panned over, and I'm still talking to my wife on the phone. And you see a white male or black male exit the store. You see loss prevention come out right behind them. They identify themselves, and the white male begins to fight them, like a, like a full-on fight. And I was like, all right, well, Julia, I got to go. So I hang up my, with my wife, and then we run out there trying to get there. And by the time we made it to them, they already had the white male in handcuffs, and they were escorting them back to the store. And I was like, all right. So we just stopped and talked to them, make sure everybody wasn't, you know, no one was hurt or what was going on. And... They were like, oh, we're good. But the black male also stole something, and we would like him apprehended. And I was like, well, all right, well, where is he at? So about 75 yards across the parking lot, there's like a bus stop, like a major bus stop with a lot of people. And 
the suspect kind of separated himself. Is this like at night or what time? Of yeah, seven forty at night in January. It's January twenty sixth, two thousand eight. So um, dark, but like mm-hmm. just you know, like two yeah. hours in the dark. So I mean, but a lot of street lights. I mean, there's a parking lot of them all. So right, <laughs> and then uh, so he's kind of separates himself to see what's happening with his buddy, and the pre- loss prevention guy says, "All right, that's him right there." Well, he sees the loss prevention guy point him out to me and my partner. We look at him. He looks at us, and boom, he takes off running. And we're like, all right, well, here we go. So me and my partner take off running to get him. And we had to cross. He ran across a six-lane highway. And like I said, it was like 740 at night, so we had to do a little bit of frogger to get across that. <laughs> were you in a car or were you no, on foot? No, all on foot. All this, on foot. this is all on foot. And, uh, and then he ended up in another shopping center but like an outdoor shopping center. And he kind of ran to the parking lot and they got caught by the front of him and he was running across the front of the of the, the shops, like on the front sidewalk. As me and my partner are seeing him, he's uh, we're cutting through the parking lot, like cutting angles on him. And right before he turns the corner to go around the building, I can see his legs kind of wobble and he's tired. And he, he, I was like, all right, I got him. <laughs> so I tell my partner, I was like, hey, I'm gonna speed up and go get him. So I, I took off running faster to go get to him. And then when I made it to the corner, the corner's glass, so I can kind of see him walking on the sidewalk. So I came out, I drew my taser, and told him to stop, or he's now r- running from the police. He needs to, to calm down, and let's go back and handle this. And he turns around and looks at me and never never says anything. He just kind of keeps backstepping with his hands up. And I keep telling him, stop, man, or I'm going to tase you. And he turns around and starts walk, running again. So then I, I chase him down. I attempt to tase him. I put the red dot on his back, squeezed the trigger, and nothing happens. I held it there for what seemed like an eternity. And then while that's happening, I'm closing the distance on him. So now I have to go hands-on with him. So So is that typical that it would not fire? No. Like, I don't don't know what it's – I mean, but it's electrical. It's like, you know, trusting your life to a Xbox controller. You know what I mean? that you wear in the rain and everywhere else. Yeah. And then also when you're cutting, I could see Jared. So you mentioned football earlier. I can see Jared like running through this parking lot, like getting his angle, like a, like a, like a defensive player would. And like, I got him. Like I can see where he's going. The eyes on the ball. I'm taking this yeah. guy out. So, and we keep running and I go to tase him and I can't tase him or the taser malfunctions. So then I host or have to put on safe holster and go hands on with him. And like it's both my football background and I was like at that time I was training MMA and things like that. And I wanted to go to the ground with them. Like that's just, I was, I'm comfortable on the ground. I've, you know, grew up tackling people and things. I was like, all right, so I'm gonna go to the ground with him. And he had a hooded zip up sweatshirt and I reached up and grabbed his hood and I was just going to pull him backwards. Well, as soon as I put my hand on his hood, he kind of spun high and then flipped his arm over and broke my grip. And now we're facing each other. And he put his hands up, real defensive, and lowered his chin and, and put his hands up covering his face, which is a fight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, well, this is, you know, after years of doing this stuff, there's a big difference in people who are trying to get away and, like, somebody that they're, that's there to fight you. Like, it's a, it's a, he's going to try to get away, but he's going to try to get away from you by fighting. Could right? you tell with your training that, like, this guy knew how to fight? Eh, I wouldn't say he was, like, he, like, was a trained fighter. But, but he, he knew what he was. But he, yeah, he was a big. He was a he was a big dude. He's a uh, like six. He's five ten, two hundred five. I mean, he was strong, athletic build. He wasn't like ripped up muscle, but he was 
I mean, he was strong when I put hands on him. Like, right. it was like, okay, this might be a good one. And this whole time, you were you guys running this whole time? Well, when, as soon as I grabbed, grabbed him, him, he stopped. Like right. So he stopped, and now we're stopped. We're actually right by the uh, an Atlantic self-storage place, and they have a dried retention pond. It's about four feet deep, like a 25-yard circumference, but there's nothing in it. But it's grass, and we were kind of on the bank of it, okay. like on top of it. So when he spun and he, and he threw his hands up, I pulled him in tight because I wanted to get in close. I didn't. I'm not the best boxer in the world, so I didn't want distance where I can get hit with a haymaker. So I closed it in and I was elbowing him and knee striking. I'm still trying to get to the ground, waiting for my partner to catch up. Well, like shortly into that, I don't know where he, where he had it on his body, but he produced a pistol and then shot me through the face. Whoa. So it hit dead center of my jaw and then exited out my neck. And I started falling down that embankment that I was talking about, like to my left. And in my, what it felt like was it felt like getting punched. I didn't hear the gunshot. I didn't see the gun prior to this. Um, I can't say that I didn't see muzzle flash, but I did see stars. Like, I don't know if it was the bullet hitting my face or the, wow. <laughs> or uh, just the muzzle flash. So, Had you ever been shot in your life? No, okay. no. So then I started rolling down to my left, and I was thinking, I thought he punched me. I was like, Jared, get up, get up, get up. Like, that's what I'm running through my head. But my body was acting a little sluggish, like like I caught a good punch. Like I was a little in the fog. And I was like, just get up, get up, get up. He punched me with a good one, get up. And But by the time I came to rest, I could feel my tongue that my jaws collapsed, like, on itself. And my teeth, my bottom teeth are laying horizontal in my mouth. So I knew something else was going on. So I look up and he's standing over top of me shooting me. Whoa. So while I'm doing that, I'm kind of I, I recognized that he's shooting me and it it really just kicked in my will to like I like I tell people like it angered me and it kicked in my will to win, but it didn't like anger me like a rage. It angered me like you cheated like like you cheated me. Like we were about to race and you jumped off of like, right. and I was like, well, you didn't tell me we were doing this. Right. Like, yeah. I, like <laughs> I didn't know we were in a gunfight, right. but all right, yeah. let's. It was let, like let, old school white Earp where you're like, Hey, let's go meet at high noon. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, here it is. Let's, let's get it on. I got something for you too. And, um, so as he's going, he starts walking away from me as I was going and he's looking back at me. And I, when I was moving, he'd shoot at me and he'd shoot at me. And was it, could you feel it hitting you? No, I couldn't feel anything at that point. Like I, I took seven rounds that, that day, that night, and I can't tell you which one was what except for the first one because yeah. your body just protects you. It dumps all that adrenaline in you, and I had to. I was doing something. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't done. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't done yet. So it wasn't done. So as he's walking away, I draw my pistol, and I'm laying on my back, and I start engaging him from my back, still trying to get to my feet. I'm trying to get up, up to the ground or up to, from my feet, but I only make it to my knees because when he saw me draw my pistol and did that big movement, he started coming back on me, trying to put me like down for the count. So as I'm shooting him, he's still coming, and I know I'm getting good hits on him, but he's still coming. Like he's still coming. It's like one of the, you know one of the dreams that like right. police or military have. Like it's just like it's not working. Why yeah. isn't this working? So he's coming, and I'm giving it to him. I'm giving it to him, and I'm giving it to him. Then he gets close enough to me, so I lunge up and I grab him and I pull him to me. Like, we're now, like, I kind of flipped him, so he's, like, belly to back, like he's facing away from me. And as we go to the ground, I put my muzzle to his head, and I give him contact shots to his head, ending the fight and putting him in, out. And then from that point, 
we had I had like kind of put them into a culvert to kind of keep them secure and keep cover on them, and then I kind of scooted myself away, like in the bottom of the culvert, waiting for my partner to arrive. And you know, he kind of slowed way down when the gunshots started right. happening to because he didn't want to run in the middle of a gunfight. So he got to me really quick after that, and then. Like a funny story about that. Like he's he came over, and just kind of funny how like your brain works. Like I was really dialed in, and then I'm looking up, and my partner's coming over that embankment, and he's backlit by the street lights and stuff, and he's a big dude, and he's and he's my best friend. So I was like, oh man, like I just got really relaxed, like right. a nice calm came over me, and then he just steps over top of me, looking for the guy, but the guy's like stuffed in a culvert, so he couldn't see him, and I'm getting mad at him. But he's doing what he's trained to do. He's he's kept his mind right and the threat. Yeah, like looking for the threat, and and I'm like up there like man, I'm down here <laughs> right. shot. I, I'm shot, and you're up there trying to get some. Like you know, I was like he's over there. It's done. Right. But then that that just that him doing that clicked my mind back into all right. We still got work to do. So we told him where he was at. Went and verified. Came back and started you know treating me and calling for help. Wow. At any time, did you think you were going to die? No, never. Never. Wow. I, did, I never lost consciousness. I never... Where were the majority of the rounds? So um, I took one through my face. I took three to my body armor across the chest. I took one above my uh, my left thigh. It was entered in right above my knee and exited out high in my thigh. I took a one in the buttock, and then it came in through my buttock, hit my hip, broke my hip, and lodged there, and then a graze of my right elbow. Hmm. So you were on, so previous to this, you were on the job for five years. And so like all that training, no, no military before. Right. So it's like all this stuff you learned through the training that you, as a police officer, that's pretty intense. Like, do you, do you recall like thinking or do you, it just was so like muscle memory that it just happened? Or like, do you recall like, oh yeah, I need to or this is happening, that situation's happening, I need to go through this step or that no, step. No, I think that, I mean, I was on the SWAT team by then and just and just repping in as much training as we get. It just kind of, it just, I recognize what I needed to right. do. And then once the what needs to happen happened, then it just becomes automatic. Right. And then it was just, everything else was just problem solving after that. Like when, the, as the things were changing, you know, what, what can I do now to fix that? So it was all training. Like a lot of people ask, like, you know, what did you change in your training or what did you do after this? I mean, what could you have done differently? I don't think there's anything I could have done differently. I was pretty much ambushed. Right. And you, the only way to get through an ambush is fight through it. And I fought through it and won. So, yeah. and, you know, that just validated my training, the training that I got. And, and it was it was really good that way. But again, there's also a lot of luck involved in gunfights. Right. Like, you know, the one that went through my jaw when it went through, I mean, it, if I my face was turned straight at him, it would have, you know, hit me in the, the brainstem and I would have been out, you know. And then if I wasn't wearing my body armor, I took one dead center of my chest. You know, there's a lot of luck and a lot of equipment that, that kept me in that fight. Yeah, that's crazy. Now, contrary to, like, TV or the movies, uh, it sounds like when people are shot, they just don't fall down. Dead. No, no. It, it's The human body's very unimpressed with with bullets. bullets. <laughs> That's does, crazy. It doesn't do much. I, I'm thinking like through just like the how the body reacts. Like first off, you go from talking to your wife, which is pretty normal, 
Then like okay, most of the time. Yeah, something's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then like okay, something's going on. So your your attention and and like your heart rate and things are elevated a little bit more. Then you're confronted with the you know perpetrator or the person. And then, so it's elevated a little bit more. Then the guy runs. Then it's elevated a little <laughs> bit more. And then you catch him and you're like hand-to-hand combat. Then it's elevated a little bit more. <laughs> like, I, I, I just figure, like, at some point, it can't get any more. But I guess, you know, once a gunshot yeah. is, once you realize that, then it's like yeah, I mean, fight it, or flight at that point. It just, you know, he he wanted to play the game. And, yeah. I, and I trained for it and I practiced for right. that game. So I yeah. was ready for it. That's crazy. Now... No one can see us here, uh, but it's Halloween today, and it's not lost on me the fact that Chris is dress, dressed up as the Hamburglar, like a burglar. So I don't, he, I don't think he did that on purpose, Jared, because <laughs> this is a heavy subject. Yeah. Because it gets serious, Chris. Really. <laughs> I did when he when he walked in. I was like, I didn't do it. And he's like, that's an original. <laughs> Never heard that one before. <laughs> wow. What was what were the next couple days like? Um. Well, yeah, I went to the ICU. Um, I went in Saturday night. I checked myself out of the ICU um, Tuesday morning. Wow. <laughs> because it was just, it's just, a, I didn't like being in the hospital. Yeah. Um, so then I went home and I was, you know, out of work and you know, different surgeries. I've had like 13 surgeries on my face and, you know, fixing stuff and out of work. The original time I was out of work, I was out of work for about for exactly like six months, and then I was back to work, and then I'd get a surgery, and then I'd be off for eight weeks, or you know, it says all together I've probably been out of work for about a year, just under a year and a half, over the, you know, the eleven years it's been. Now we live in such like a, a social media charged culture, but I always find it doesn't reflect like how people actually treat each other. What was the reaction from like? The community towards you, from everyone from your coworkers to people, maybe that kind of knew you. Our coworkers were great. Everybody knew me. I mean, really, the the city was great. Um, I had, I mean, even the guys, the suspects' family wasn't bad. Like mm-hmm. they didn't, they they didn't talk to me. They didn't, they didn't like reach out. To, sure. Well, I got a letter supposedly from his mother. I don't know because it went to the sheriff, but or like you know so, that someone wrote it for them and kind of was like, hey. You know, we lost him when he was 14. He wasn't raised like that. He wanted to be a thug. And, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, it was actually really a nice letter. Right. Like, it was, yeah. you know, she apologized. When the detectives went to the house and said, hey, your son's been involved. The police officer's been shot. He's dead. And uh, she, she, her first question was, is the police officer going to be okay? So, mm-hmm. like, I mean, she's a good wow. human being. Like, right. you can't, can't fake that when someone says your son's dead. And, you know, um, but... Everybody in the community was great. Churches held benefits for me, um, took care of my family. The sheriff's office was great. They took care of my, helped me take care of my family. Um, like, oh, like nationally, I was the national police officer of the year. Oh, um, Florida's law enforcement officer of the year. I got the Medal of Honor or the Medal of Valor from President Obama. I mean, it was so. It's. I mean, it was. It was a cool. I mean, that's what people think. Like you know, when you shoot people or you do stuff. I mean, I get like shooting the wrong people. That's terrible. And, right. and that, but even I think everybody understands that there's evil in this world, mm-hmm. and sometimes things needs to needs to happen. And people, uh, they understand courage. They understand not just 
you know, I've been I've been involved in uh, in four shootings where I was a shooter myself, and every one of them has always been like I've met evil people. Like yeah. I don't know, like somebody's putting me in front of these people. Like I haven't shot an unarmed person at a at a on a traffic stop or even an armed person on a traffic. It's never been that. Like mm-hmm. I've it's been murderers <laughs> and attempted murderers is the only people that I, that I've been put in front of that that asked for it. Back to work. Did you have any like anxiety uh, or like what was that like? I wouldn't say it was anxiety. I was excited to get back to work. I never had any doubts that I was not going back to work. It was, um, I think I, I was nervous if I was going to be able, I like, I know I could do my job and I wanted to do it, but I didn't want that subconscious to come in. So I, I was very aggressive getting back to work and trying to be the, the first guy in or like, you know, trying to, to get my, my, um, to make sure I could do the job because right. people's lives depend on me. I don't want to yeah. freeze under stress. So like I was aggressive in doing that, but it was hard for my wife when I went back to work mm-hmm. and things like that. But she, she knew it was coming. Like there was never a, a time where I was like, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. Or, you know, it was always like, all right, let's just get, yeah. Get back to work. Let's get. Wow. wow. That's your, that's an amazing story. That's, that's an extraordinary story. Yeah. <laughs> you can't make that up. Makes my days at work uh, seem pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's crazy. Well, I mean, uh, thanks uh, for sharing that. You know, hey, it's, no problem. It's a great story. Um, and and thanks for your service, man. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, very much. Appreciate it. Um, so. Any other questions for him? No. Well, thanks, Jared. Appreciate it. Um, Anything else? No, I think that's uh, one extraordinary story down. Yeah. (laughs) All right, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much.